goodness, Latarian, let the man live. Holy cow, I think we just saw a murder on live television or streaming television, whatever you want to call it. My gosh, the challenge is back. What up, challenge fans? Welcome to the Challenge Historian. We dive deep into all things the challenge, past, present, or future, if it's happening on the challenge universe. We are here to document it. I am your host and challenge historian, Jacob Holliball. Thank you so very, very much for being here with us today on the podcast where we will be discussing that absolute murder that we just witnessed on the first season of the challenge all stars on Paramount Plus. Super exciting. Can't believe that it's here. Can't believe that we're an episode in and just how great it was. Spoiler alert. It was amazing. I thought it was amazing. There's a lot to talk about. We're going to go through all parts of the show today. Some high-level thoughts, power rankings, and predictions at the end. In between that, we'll go section by section of the show itself and break down have some comments on each of it. There's a lot to discuss, and of course, a lot to discuss at the end. God, I just finished the episode, and I can't. Uh, I just feel horrible for Ace. We'll, uh, we'll come back to that, though, at the very end of the pod today. We'll go chronologically here. So a lot to get to. Let's dive on in. Thank you for being here. Episode one, the challenge all-stars. Let's get to it. First things first here before we, how we're going to do this kind of the whole season, we maybe will change things up uh, pod to pod, depending if it works. And if the, the season itself stays kind of in a pretty static, traditional challenge format of you know, daily challenge and end with an elimination. And so, which I do expect is probably what they're going to be going with. As we talked about on the preview pod, kind of expect the format to stay pretty static throughout the whole season, but we'll see TJ's always got some stuff up his sleeve, but how we're going to do this each week um, is we will break down the entire episode section by section. And what I mean by that is kind of the sections of the show, the traditional section of the show. You got, you know, kind of your, pre-daily challenge segment, you got your daily challenge, you got your deliberation in social section, and then you got your elimination at the end. So we'll break up the show into each section, comment on each part of it. But before we do that, we'll give a couple high-level overviews, and then at the very end, give um, a couple predictions, updated the power rankings. We're always going to give an episode grade, and we're also going to grade TJ's performance each and every episode. Love TJ. Got to give him a grade. Spoiler, it's usually going to be a pretty good one. Um, But so before we dive into each section of this week's show, a couple high-level thoughts of just episode one, the All-Stars back in our lives. How does it stack up to what our expectations were? Um, you know, what, 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 what was it? Was it as good as we expected? What the challenge is real as we expected it to be. And overall, my number one opinion coming out of this is just, man, is it good to see these people on our television screens again? It was so much fun. I knew it would be a great time. I knew I'd have so much fun, but every single person as they stepped off of that bus at the beginning, every single clip they showed, you know, obviously Challenge Historian, we very much appreciated all of the background info, all the clips that they led the whole episode with, all the quotes and the narration, all of that was just pure gold. We were smiling ear to ear the whole time. It was so much fun to see. And Overall, I was just blown away at how good all of these people 
still are at being in this setting, you know, like all the interviews there was, we'll get to later in the episode. We'll talk about some of the quotes of the episode moments of the episodes. All these people are still great at the commentary. They seem to be having an amazing time and all loving being back. So overall, just, I mean, one episode in this thing has lived up to and exceeded what were lofty expectations from myself and they were meant to not be so lofty and I couldn't help myself. They were lofty expectations and they have fully exceeded them. As far as what kind of challenge season it is, it's clearly very much so a real legitimate season of the challenge, just maybe with a shorter time frame, a few less competitors, but you know, one challenge and we saw a pole wrestle and we saw a very physical and difficult daily challenge and we saw a real, you know, deliberation and some, uh, you know, strategy already setting into place and alliances. It's a, it's a full on real season of the challenge, which is definitely, I think the right way to go. And, you know, we're going to see if all of them can keep up with that necessarily, but, uh, you know, starting off with the pole wrestle for the first elimination is, you know, starting off with the bang for sure. Um, and we'll talk all about that pole wrestle later on, but as far as high level thoughts, yeah, absolutely amazing to see these people back. Definitely a real challenge and must shout out. We mentioned it on the preview pod that if you didn't listen to definitely go back, um, not too late, even one episode in, go back, listen to that preview pod, but, um, love the vibe, love the location. As we had said back then, from the trailer, we had kind of felt like there was a Fresh Meat 2 kind of vibe. On Fresh Meat 2, they were in a log cabin, I believe, in Canada. Um, But during, like, summertime there, where it was kind of a, during the day, felt like a warm weather challenge, but could get chilly at night during the eliminations and the the water. Any of the water-based challenges were still kind of chilly water, even though the sun was out and they could be in their Speedos and bikinis and whatnot. Um, And I always, the Fresh Meat 2 is a beloved season by me. I think it's you know, in the up top echelon of one of the best seasons, maybe not one of the best of all time, but for me personally, one of my absolute favorites of all time. And it was a lot to do with kind of that vibe of like summer camp at the, at the lodge, you know, out in the forest, in the woods. And this season is very much a similar vibe to that with an awesome house that they're staying in very much kind of like a, they're all going to summer camp as adults, um, you know, out, in the nature, in the woods, gives beautiful backdrops, but also gives us that kind of warm weather challenge feel and cold weather challenge feel at the same time. So love all of that. That's what we got from a high-level perspective. Um, But let's now move on and go through section by section every bit of this premiere episode of the Challenge All-Stars. Let's dive right on into the episode then. We're going to go section by section, have some comments on each portion of the show. So we'll start off with the beginning, everything pre-daily challenge. And the first thing that's got to be said is just, again, this was amazing. It's so much fun. It's so exciting watching each person come off of the bus, being reintroduced to them, watching them run into the house, especially was an awesome, awesome moment. Classic, classic challenge. Getting to watch them all run in, scramble for beds, figure out who's staying where and whatnot. Um, One thing, the earliest thing to point out that I had to take a note on is something that was mentioned during our preview pod of this season is that with the kind of marketing of the season, how much they were going to go with, you know, the OGs, the all-stars, the best of the best, the goats, the legends, whatever, however they were going to kind of frame things. And seems like they're certainly leaning 
all the way into this is the best of the best. Whoever wins this is the is you know the greatest of all time. And they had some of that commentary in that long intro narration by TJ with the old clips and all the old quotes and everything coming through, which was an awesome thing and set the table really well. It was really, really well done. Um, but I did get a little bit of a chuckle and which is good to kind of acknowledge from the start. It looks like that's the way they're going to go with it. We'll see if we get to the end of this season and, you know, whoever wins, they call, you know, the greatest of all time. You're now the best of the best. We'll see how, how heavily they lean into that. But this is the challenge when they kind of pick a bit, pick a theme, pick a lane, they they stick with it through and through, no matter what, you know, uh, on even most recent seasons of double agents, you know, the agent lingo and everything was, you know, they exhaust every last bit of it that they can. So I feel like on this show, if they're from the beginning, calling it the best of the best, who's going to be the greatest ever, that they're only going to probably stick with that throughout. Um, but thankfully, or at least thankfully, if you're of the opinion of me that, you know, maybe that that framing falls a little bit flat for you given the cast that's back as beloved as they all are, not necessarily having that type of billing of the best challengers ever. Um, it was nice to see as we're introduced to some of the reintroduced, I should say to some of the competitors that they themselves are framing it a little bit different. I think we hear Nehemiah at one point say um, flat out how he's not a challenge legend yet, um, but that aspires to be so that, you know, and that that's what he's here for. We have, you know, Cyrus use the word legacy, but um, frame it a little bit more as like, let's see if the big dog still got it kind of thing. Uh, Yazella, who we're about to mention in another way, you know, framing it as well as maybe never, uh, had the best run before, but is coming back to prove something. So the players themselves maybe seem to be framing it slightly different than the show overall. Well, just something to watch going forward episode by episode and across the whole season. Um, other things that really stood out about this whole introduction and first segment of them in the house. Uh, first off, as they all come off the bus, Katie Doyle, now Katie Cooley, but Katie is the first person that we see and knowing that that had to be a big discussion with production. That was an awesome pick to be the first person off the bus to really set the stage. Katie feels like that exact what they're going for here, that vintage OG challenge um, feeling and vibe and just overall aesthetic. She fits the bill perfectly for me. She is a true OG of the show, a care one of the early standout characters and competitors on this show so i thought spot on they nailed it she would have been one of my top choices if you had asked came to me and asked like you know we're going to show everyone obviously but who's going to be the first person that first face you see that first voice you hear that first story you get filled in on katie was a fantastic choice so well done there other note about the introductions off the bus yazella falling on her way out of the bus i mean just hilarious, absolutely hilarious, and hats off to her for handling it like an absolute champion, an absolute boss, and just shaking it off and strutting away out of it, acting like nothing ever happened. It was supposed to go that way. Absolutely hilarious and absolutely awesome of her to handle it the way she did. We'll be talking a lot more about Yazella later on on the episode. Other notes to make of this section. Um, I am, am, 
afraid to admit this as you know the challenge historian here, but I kind of totally forgot about Nehemiah and Beth being a thing back on the duel and being kind of cuddle partners and think that you know it's definitely worth they're instantly going to play up any former you know flings and romances and relationships that used to be in the house, whether it's from a friendly uh, standpoint as we get with Trishel and Katie, you know, being BFFs on and now off the show. Um, but definitely from a romantic aspect, if they've got any of them to uh, bring back up, try to rekindle through the production side, they're definitely going to do it. And I'd kind of forgotten about Nehemiah and Beth and while it's great and there's no shots at Beth necessarily for Nehemiah, a tough edit coming out the gate, your reintroduction to the challenge fans. And the very, very first thing they go with is, Hey, you remember Nehemiah, AKA tenderoni. I mean, just, he was trying to shake that name way back when. And now the very first thing they mentioned is that Beth used to call him tenderoni back when they were cuddle buddies on the duel. So a bit of a tough early edit for Nehemiah, um, on that one. And then as we already mentioned, the running into the house, uh, scene was fantastic and just awesome to watch who immediately went towards gameplay, who immediately went towards just, oh my gosh, some old friends of mine who immediately went towards, wow, I can't believe I'm in a challenge house again. I can't believe I'm on the challenge. Uh, notably, Jemmy, as predicted, having that strong political game in more recent seasons of the challenge of everyone else was kind of the one that immediately came in and from the get-go seemed to be Y'all, you know, y'all can have your fun, you have your drinks, act like this is just a fun little vacation. Everyone's seeing their old friends, but I'm here to play. I'm here to strategize. I'm here to win. And so kind of seeing from the initial moments who's here to really take this serious and to try to win this thing and who's here just to maybe rekindle some old friendships, have a good time, be back on television, get a little bit of money, have a little bit of fun. Um, Definitely, you know, seeing someone like a Jemmy take it instantly leaping into strategy that early on is a thing worth pointing out and is already living up to, you know, had her in the early power rankings on the female side because of that expectation that she was going to be one of the people that did this. Didn't expect it to be, you know, opening moments already, just throwing some strategy out there, trying to alliance build all of that. So that was kind of your pre daily challenge, all good stuff. We will then move into the actual daily challenge itself is our next segment here. And overall, got to just say a very good first challenge uh, for many reasons. Mostly, I think it was just a great balance of we're going to test you physically, we're going to test you mentally, and we're going to test you in a team atmosphere, your attitudes towards each other, your attitudes about trying to compete in this game. Once again, it was definitely very hard. I think, you know, we mentioned before, there's always kind of some exaggeration. They really lean into stuff on the challenge. And so they were, you know, making out like this is the hardest challenge anyone, daily challenge anyone has ever done, which um, it's not, uh, you know, we'll leave it, we'll leave it at that. But it was definitely legitimately hard. Um, I think that they weren't kidding when, you know, it seemed visually, I think they said at one point that one, it was either Derek or maybe Darrell came out of the water and said, um, you know, the things were 13 feet down, which is, it's legitimately deep to have to swim down and get. Uh, but before we go any further, let's back up. Let's recap very briefly. The challenge itself, 
They are announced uh, to some degree what the format of the entire season is, that it is an individual game, and that when they get to each daily challenge, they might be in teams, they might be in pairs, they might be in an individual, but ultimately it will be an individual game. And for this challenge in particular, split into two teams, a silver and a gold team, randomly split up, and one by one, each competitor has to swim out uh, they have to first solve a math problem as a team, and then once they think they have the answer, one person swims out, dives down 13, 14, 15 feet somewhere deep in this pond or lake and retrieve a puzzle piece with the correct number on it, bring it back. Once they get one correct, they can move on. I think there were six or seven uh, math problems they had to find in succession, one by one, each going out. And while it was slightly unclear, it seemed to be everyone had to at least attempt it once to swim out and get a piece. And then after everyone had attempted it once, you could start to have anyone you want go a second, third, fourth, fifth time, as long as they weren't going back to back. And But you know, the one team by the end, it was just yes and Nehemiah going over and over and over. Um, we'll come back to that. But that was the essentially the whole challenge. So it had some swimming, had some you know strength, having to be able to dive down, pull this big piece up, had some math, had some teamwork. Had it all. Um, very good opening challenge. Some notes throughout this opening challenge. Uh, one thing I have written down in all camps, all caps, excuse me, I get flustered when I talk about this guy, but God damn, Alton still is just, I mean, some of the, a, lot, a handful of these people are looking way better physically than you'd maybe expect for them coming back in in late 30s and their 40s, even a couple people or one person, Beth, in her 50s. But Alton seems to have not lost a step from his earlier days, still looks like one of the greatest athletes of all time. Um, so that was one note I just had is just uh, thanks for making them all get their shirts off down to their bathing suits so that we get a visual of what they're bringing to the table physically early on and all indefinitely. Uh, I think it was even commented on by some of the other people. Still looking the part of physical challenger to be reckoned with, as is Mark Letarian, uh, a handful of folks throughout the game. Now, on to the fact that multiple people almost drown. So speak to the difficulty of this challenge and that some of our competitors might not be able to bring it as much on the physical side of things, both between the cold water and maybe just a lack of swimming skills and maybe um, just not being able to dive down in, which is the one part that there's no shame in anyone. It is, uh, that was the, I think the most difficult part of the entire challenge is just simply once you're, even if you're over directly, the piece you know is the right one, swimming down and getting it, but you know, we got Tech, we got Arissa, we've got Kendall, we've got Latarian, we've got uh, more and more people. Uh, you know, it seems like almost half the people damn near drown, have to call in uh, the the guy to come swim over on his paddleboard and help him out of the water. You know, Big Easy was able to swim out there, get all the way down, bring a piece up, but then was like, nah, I can't get back. Give me, a, give me that, give me that rescue vessel. Um, so while that was hilarious, um, to watch, you know, thankfully is, you know, these things are never actually that scary thing. We trust the producers of the show. We can make these out to be a laughing matter and kind of have some fun with how big of a struggle it is because we know they're always keeping these people safe. So it, it feels okay to be laughing at the struggle with some of these people. They were definitely laughing at themselves and with themselves. So I feel fine doing so. Um, but it should be kind of worth mentioning something to watch going forward is 
how they kind of handle the difficulty of the challenges with there being already somewhat of an obvious gap between those that can maybe handle the full scale uh, ramped up challenge that we have in love today versus what they may have been used to in the past or just what they may physically be capable of at this point in their lives. It is a tight balance. They're going to have to walk that. Yes, this very first one, while it was kind of funny and comical to be like, Oh yeah, we brought all the old people back and guess what? They can't do the challenge. (laughs) You know, they can't, they can't even get it done. It was very funny. It was very entertaining. But if that's the same thing, every challenge after challenge, after challenge, that's going to wear off relatively quickly. Um, and while it always be good, you know, to have a few people DQing, a few people failing in epic fashion, you know, it's always entertaining. It's always kind of fun to see that, to have that many people of the group. Um, if this is a common theme throughout the entirety of the season or even in potential future seasons, um, that's going to be something that producers of the show have to find the right balance of, of what can these people handle? What can they not? What is entertaining and what becomes just a, uh, you know, kind of disappointing if it gets to the point where like, oh, well, look, Altland and Mark and Kellyanne did it again and no one else did or whatever. You know, if that if it starts to be something like that where a couple individual people can pull off what they're asking and no one else can, then you know, it kind of defeats um it brings it just ruins the competitiveness of the show. So something to watch going forward. Worked out great this time around. We'll see how they continually fine tune and walk that fine line going forward. Um, MVP of the challenge daily challenge for sure is yes. Dropping in the middle of it that, you know, he's a math lead state math champion, super duper helpful. It is worth pointing out the math in this episode in this daily challenge was a slight step up, honestly, from the math we're used to. We always get some great comedy when, uh, we're throwing some multiplication and division problems that our challengers can't always successfully answer but usually you know especially like on double agents we just saw recently some math being brought in where it was always like a three-digit number divided by or multiplied by a single-digit number and they always you know while that can take a few minutes to figure out necessarily you got to kind of scribble out in the sand or whatever um, usually all stuff that you would think most people would be able to figure that out somewhat quickly even and these math problems were more the same, but there were at least a couple times where it was like, you're throwing three digits and two digits together. You're getting a little bit more difficult with the multiplication in division, especially just given they didn't have a great, you know, the, the kind of rocky beach they were on didn't make for a great area to try to like write things out. So they were having to do it all purely mentally. So it was at least a little bit harder, a little bit more acceptable that, you know, they were getting some of them wrong. They were going out looking for the wrong numbers, but yes, came through as the definite MVP, both, with being able to handle the math side in quick, make quick work of the math side, but also being one that was bringing back multiple of those pieces by the end of the challenge, his team dominating because him and Nehemiah just seemed to be going back and forth for the last six of them. So that silver team gets the win, uh, good overall first challenge, and then we get confirmation of the rest of the format of the show after the challenge is over. We find out you know, those team captains of both teams Winning team captains are safe from elimination for the sex that is up for elimination that week. And the other, the, you know, if it's a male week, the female team captain of the winning team is going to hold the lifesaver, which we don't know exactly what does. We know it can save someone from elimination. We don't know anything beyond that. There have been past versions of the lifesaver used in early days of the challenge, but they always had a bit of a different kind of twist to them. So we'll cover that a little bit more later. 
Um, but captains of winning team safe, captains of losing team, or I imagine in, in the future, you know, the last place pair or last place individual. Um, it's just going to be the biggest loser of the daily challenge. It goes straight to elimination. The rest of the house gets to vote for one person to go in. One person is safe. One person holds the power to save. Pretty simple and straightforward format. And so that's what we've got for the daily challenge, which will then bring us to our the deliberation segment. So they leave the challenge. Uh, you know, a fun first challenge, but one that definitely some struggles as they re-enter the house. Everyone kind of feeling a certain way about, oh man, this is uh, going to be a little harder this time around is what we may have been used to in the past. There is a brief, um, pretty brief segment before they actually get to the real deliberation, um, both in the house and then going to the deliberation ceremony where our guy Ace, who I really love, um, you know, I, uh, there's not a single person on this season that wasn't someone I was necessarily rooting for um, before, but there's a few people that stand out as real favorites of mine that I always had, uh, you know, had an affection for before. And Ace was one of those, so it really sucked for me get, watching him just immediately get thrown under the bus, but living up to the reputation of, I mean, this it, it's deja vu, got to be deja vu for him of, man, everyone seems to like me here. I'm friends with everyone, but didn't talk a lick of alliances or actual, you know, partnerships with anyone. And now we show up to the first deliberation and everyone says they like me and they're their friends, but they're going to send me in because Latarian wants me and no one wants to rock the boat on day one. I just want to give the guy who's in the elimination, the person they want. Um, so kind of crazy that in episode one, we already have someone, uh, Sadly for them, as we'll eventually get to getting eliminated, but uh, sadly living up to the reputation of everyone loves you, Ace, but they still throw you in anyways right off the bat. Um, so tough look for him. Unlike times in the past, he tried to stand up for himself a little bit more, threw around the monsters term a bit, which was a bit of fun having with that. Kind of hilarious, <laughs> um, but good to see him kind of talk some-ish back to the people and make sure to call out smartly, um, even if we know... We'll get to the end of this episode, and he's he's eliminated. Smart of him as the person who immediately gets called out as, hey, Latarian wants you, uh, so we're going to put you in. Very smart of him to immediately say, so is that is that what we're doing going forward? Is that everyone going to hold it out? It's just whoever we throw in, that's who they want, and kind of put some people on the spot to explain themselves and kind of set in stone here. Is, is that just because it's an easy way to screw me over, or is that because that's how we're going to do it? Because if we come back here next week, someone's got to be able, you know, if we start arguing for someone who isn't who the person wants, um, just very good stage setting and good, a good moment of strategy for ACE, albeit kind of for not in the end, but good to bring that up. Last thing to mention about the deliberation, another, uh, historical fact being brought to the forefront by ACE about ACE that I don't think I ever knew. I don't remember, uh, I'm guessing it might have been brought up because it seemed like other people knew about it, maybe brought up in one of his earliest seasons, but I never knew that the reason he was even ever on the real world or the challenge to begin with is because he had a big old crush on Beth and that he watched Beth on the real world, had a huge crush on her, and that motivated him so much that he had to get on the real world and get on the challenge because he wanted to meet Beth. That is so great. Um, and was just such a fun little thing to be thrown in there and makes me think of all the great 
content we're going to get throughout this season of these people that have had relationships um, one way or the other for you know two plus decades that there's going to be a lot of great stuff like that coming out that we're learning so now we'll move from the deliberation to the cocktail hour aka the best part of this episode hands down the whole episode was great but especially given the circumstances the covid circumstances of the previous two seasons of the regular challenge seasons double agents and total madness that we've seen where um you know over the years as the game has become more physical more strategic that kind of party atmosphere has slowly but surely dwindled but all these folks these all-stars these ogs back in their day things were lit on the challenge and they brought it back in a big way with this first night first cocktail hour 90s party outfits were epic the music was awesome the dancing the drinks were flowing it was amazing to actually see some real drinking going on in the challenge house again again just in comparison to the most recent seasons of the main episode it was fun to see these people actually having fun and being able to put away the game and the strategy and just live it up have a good time of course big easy at the center of it mark long at the center of it everyone taking part everyone throwing down waking up the next morning with ruthie and a couple others on couches getting the hilarious commentary as one by one they each kind of waddled on out to breakfast and you know would find themselves some food have some pretty rough looks on their faces admitting to the hangovers being a little bit different this time around than what they used to be their party days being a little ways behind them but hats off to everyone involved for bringing the heat making that 90s party awesome making the entire cocktail hour fun great entertaining tv then we'll move the final section of the show we had an elimination we find out that the elimination area is going to this year be called the arena and gotta say dope vibe love 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 the layout the waterfalls with the challenge sign behind it amazing well lit the forest background behind it great great backdrop they've really learned to nail this over the years each season has its own spin on it its own name its own backdrop its own theme vibe everything they really nailed it on this one. The arena is freaking cool. Loved it. And love that the moment we walk in, very first elimination, all these people back after a long time. We mentioned in the preview pod, some of these people were on the challenge only in some of the early seasons where there was an elimination. So for some people, this is the first time they've ever even walked into any sort of elimination proving ground gauntlet inferno any of the names it's had over the years first time some of these folks have ever even stepped foot in an elimination arena uh this one being the arena and it was so nice to instantly know have that familiar feeling as they walk in and seeing a big ring of dirt with a stick in the middle and knowing that we're starting with a bang we're starting with the pole wrestle we're setting the stage in a big big way and my goodness, did this pole wrestle live up to many of the great pole wrestles over the years? And boy, was it violent. I mean, uh, before we get to the violence and Latarian just just uh, putting an absolute hurt on Ace, not for Ace not having a valiant performance on his own, but God damn. Um, first, it was hilarious that Latarian has no idea what it is to speak to some of these people never having seen an elimination. Um, never having seen some of these more modern eliminations or and also 
clearly not, you know, some of them have very much kept up with the show or, you know, fans themselves, super fans themselves. Others like clearly Letarian have not watched the show a day in their lives since they were on the show because he has no idea what it is. And, you know, as a challenge historian, uh, big red flag that you obviously don't watch the show. If you don't know what pole wrestle is, if you don't see a walk into an elimination, see a ring with a pole in the middle and know exactly what we're in for, um, that you're clearly not watching the show, which is fine. Um, a little bit disrespectful as you know, your OG, you should be, you don't have to watch every episode by any means, but you know, you should be a little bit more in tune with the, you uh, the challenge universe, if you will, but we'll let it slide Letarian Cause he more than made up for it. When someone explained to him up on the dais, they tell Letarian what, uh, is in front of him. He begins to literally laugh. They bring him down. They bring Ace down. He's standing there. TJ explains the game. And Letarian, Mr. Serious, Mr., you know, just kind of soft-spoken, very serious, not seeing a lot of smiles, not seeing a lot of laughs out of Letarian. He's here to work. He's a business-like mentality. The moment TJ explains this game, the look on both Letarian and Ace's face tell the entire story. We didn't even need to see what happens. All we need to see was their initial reaction to TJ explaining that they're about to pull wrestle. Letarian literally busts out in laughter and glee and smile and just is like, oh my gosh, you're going to let me wrestle this man? This is what I'm here for. He, The confidence is through the roof. He knows this is a foregone conclusion, which personally, I mean, yeah, just looking at the two guys uh, physically, I would have been like, you know, I'd give the edge to Letarian, to training background, big physical, strong guy. But Ace is no like pushover by any means; still a an athletic guy by all means. So it wasn't like, you know, I appreciate the confidence Letarian was showing. Yeah, obviously backs it up, um, but he also partially backed it up because Ace, meanwhile, um, as much as he, you know, has has some good athleticism to him. He looked absolutely terrified slash kind of pissed off slash just felt like he was just in the worst nightmare. You know, we already mentioned he was kind of reliving his old reputation of here I am, first freaking elimination. All of these people that I'm friends with, have a good time with, have a relationship with, throw me in here. What the heck? And now I walk in and I'm not only in the first elimination, but it's freaking pole wrestling and Letarian, this beast of a man just standing over there. It just, it felt like the man truly was in a living nightmare. Uh, my heart went out to him again. I love, love, love ACE. Uh, I always thought he did get a little bit of the short end of the stick on prior seasons by those who claim to be his friends, always kind of using him as the odd one out in the alliances. He looked terrified. He looked pissed off. He gave it a good go, but, Holy shit, Letarian just works him. Absolutely monstrous performance. I mean, it was good ace throughout the monster terminology during deliberation because that is the type of performance Letarian puts on. I mean, a great fight both ways. To Ace's credit, I don't know how he was hanging on for all this time, but picked up and slammed down over and over and over. I mean, in round one, it gets off to a pretty even start. They kind of throw each other around back and forth a little bit. But the moment Letarian gets Ace on his back and Letarian gets his feet back under him, I mean, it's something like out of an action movie. The guy picks him up using the pole, Ace holding on to the pole, and again, credit to Ace for holding on through all this, picks him up in the one 
big slam right down on the back. Uh, leads to a couple moments later getting the thing away. Round one to Letarian. And going back in for a round two, I mean, just felt the pain for Ace. He just, I just can't believe his back is in one piece. His arms are in one piece. The second round gets even worse as Letarian uh, commented on perfectly by Anissa gives multiple different plunger like instead of picking him up over and over this time lifts the stick as far away from Ace's body as he can and then plunges it back into his chest hitting him with the pole over and over and Ace great showing great will but my goodness Letarian just dominates in the end and you know uh I'm just happy Ace is walking out of there what seemingly uninjured I don't know how he's definitely gonna be extremely sore after that one um, a great fight all around. Letarian wins the first one. Ace is our first person eliminated. Uh, has the nice moment where, you know, he says he's happy to be back, but he misses his dog. Um, great follow on Instagram. If you're an outdoorsman at all, Ace, big-time outdoorsman these days. Um, has some awesome uh, Instagram content with his metal detector out there, digging up stuff, scavenging, building things, all kinds of great stuff. So love you, Ace. Loved having you back. Sad to see you be the first one to go, but had someone had to do it. Great first performance, great first elimination, really sets the stage. And final comment on it was just that setting of the stage in the look on some of the people's faces up on the dais that especially those who had been away the longest, who had maybe never seen an elimination, might not have seen a pole wrestle up close. There was some shocked faces. There was a great comment from Anissa that we're going to get to here in a moment when we talk about some of the best quotes from the episode. But Kendall turning to Anissa and asking her, you know, is it always this violent? Um, yes, Kendall, it is. Get ready. Um, this is kind of how the game is played at this point. And it was also on the flip side of that to see the Durrells, the Anissas, the Derricks up there kind of gleefully looking around them, having knowing they're like, yeah, these people are all realizing what we've been still doing here recently on this show, what the show's all about these days. The thing that has changed is that now we kick each other's ass uh, over and over in these eliminations. So overall, A-plus elimination, A-plus performance. Hats off to Letarian. All right, let's hand out some awards, shall we? So uh, we're going to do every episode. After reviewing everything that happened in that episode, we are going to give out a best moment slash quote of the episode. We're going to give an episode MVP, an overall grade, power rankings, and finish with a couple thoughts moving forward and or some predictions. So let's start off right away with the best moment or quote of the episode. This can either be some individual thing that happened, say like Gisela falling off the bus, we're gonna mention that here, or an actual specific quote from one of the competitors that will likely all turn into mostly just the best quote of the episode because those are kind of the most fun and the most standout moments. But with this one, I had six written down, six things competing for the best moment or quote of the episode. We are not gonna rank them in any sort of order other than the one winner will be at the end. So let's move through all the other five that were kind of nominees but didn't quite bring home the title on this episode. First one, we just mentioned it. Yasella falling off the bus was just classic and just a great way to start or be very early in the reintroduction to these people and kind of set the stage is 
you know, these people are coming back after a while and maybe they're a little rusty. They can't even get off the bus uh, and get into the house before having a bit of a fail moment. So absolutely hilarious. Great moment. And again, how well she handled it. Um, She's going to be coming back up in our next section. So we'll talk more about her in a moment. The other moment that was a standout moment and not necessarily quote with it, but uh, (laughs) I said it before, but seeing both Alton and Mark Long shirtless running into the water and just having that goddamn moment of, I hope I can still look anything like that. Uh, I'm not going to look anything like them when in my forties or fifties, but if I can look the same as I do today, 20 years from now, the way they, those two uh, especially have stood out as just still somehow looking um, the same as they did all the way back then physically is just amazing. And was a funny moment of the dichotomy of different people running into the water and kind of seeing what everyone was working with on the physical side again, which leads us to our first quote that was in contention for the quote of the episode. And that was one that we actually predicted and were very thankful came up already. First episode, first line, very early, first introduction, first words out of Mark Long's mouth. We got a twisted steel reference. Let's go ahead and hear it from the man himself, reintroducing himself to challenge fans. Here is Mark's introduction. I don't care if it's the 1990s or if it's 2021, I am still coming in at six foot three and a half, 220 pounds of twisted steel. And I have a size 15 shoe and I'm ready to jam it up someone's ass. Wouldn't expect anything less from the Godfather himself. Unbelievable introduction, hilarious, um, entertaining, everything wrapped in one, everything you want from a great quote and interview moment. Of course, Mark's going to be coming out of the gate, spitting that fire, um, doing the best to make this show the best it could be, and loved getting to hear the Twisted Seal reference right off the beginning. And he certainly looks the part, as we just mentioned. So that was a great quote, not quite the quote of the episode. Another one that was a nominee really made our list to be called out, but didn't quite get the top spot was later in the episode. Another one that really worked from a setting the stage of kind of these people coming back standpoint, how much things have changed while also being absolutely hilarious was Ace commenting on after he started to realized that he was about to get thrown in. He kind of got, you know, stabbed in the back by all these people right away, thrown under the bus. He talked about the competitiveness level then versus now. Let's take a quick listen. Back in my day, the stakes weren't this high. These people before would kill each other for a scooter. I don't know what they're going to do for half a million dollars. Fantastic stuff from Ace there. Love that he chose the scooter as the item to call out. Uh, if you don't remember exactly the the nostalgia he's hitting at here, is that back in the early days of the show, uh, when the prize money wasn't so big, they would have every daily challenge would come with its own individual prize, and it would usually be you know it was sponsored content type. The early, very early SponCon, really in the television world, um, you know, it'd be a new Walkman player or a, a scooter, as he references here or a motorcycle, or a television, or whatever it was, usually tech-related more often than not. And all things, if you go back back and watch now, are kind of funny to see as, you know, some of I remember, like, the Zoom uh, uh, MP3 player was one. It was, like, it was so cool now going back. You're like, oh, that was cool for, like, six months. Um, and then, you know, iPhones and stuff came about. Um, 
but hilarious quote, very foreshadowing quote too, to, you know, setting up what was going to happen to him later in the episode, getting sent home. So great job all around killer quote, not quite the best of the episode though. The next one though, we will shout out our last one that didn't quite get that top spot was the one we referenced earlier. Anissa always bringing it in the interviews her most valuable of all the value she brings to this franchise in those interviews. She's just so good at setting the stage, giving killer quotes, being funny, being entertaining, being everything. And no different here as during the elimination, as Letarian is throwing ace around like a rag doll, Kendall turns to her and asks, is it always this violent? And she just gives the perfect answer. Take it away, Anissa. Ace looks like he's being plunged into a toilet. Literally plunging. Kendall turns to me, she goes, is it always this brutal? I'm like, this is exactly what I'm going to do to you. And that is why she is still on the show almost every season, because just perfect interviews, perfect recapping what's happening in front of her in an entertaining way, being funny, being competitive, just all around great, great stuff from Anissa, as always. Wouldn't expect anything less. Glad she is here, but the final and best quote or moment of the episode goes to our guy, Tech. We were so glad that Tech is back, even with a very limited challenge resume. He was one of those uh, just obvious examples of we never got enough of him. He is an OG in this space. He is beloved in this space. So glad to have him back and so glad to see that he is seamlessly back in front of the camera like he never missed a beat. Knows exactly how to bring that charisma, that charm, that the funny, the fun, everything about it, and his best moment, and I think the best quote or moment of the entire episode is in the middle of the daily challenge as one by one, everyone keeps failing and failing and drowning and flailing and everything, himself included. He gives out the best quote regarding the old person challenge. Take it away, Tech. Welcome to the challenge, uh, the senior edition. Day looks like recess at the old folks' home. We need water. We got the medics out here. We got the walkers out. We got the wheelchairs out. There's a lot of old people going down today, y'all. Myself included. Hilarious stuff from Tech, and definitely overall, you know, that's the best quote of the episode. And there was a lot of good ones to pick from. Overall, very impressed with these people stepping back in front of the camera, being able to bring the entertainment, bring the kind of production value, everything. It seems like almost all these people never missed a beat, never left our television screens in the first place. So hats off to Tech. You win quote of the week, week number one. We'll now move on to the MVP of the episode. And with respect to Tech for his interviews as well as some of the dancing he was doing throughout, he gave a great performance. He was in consideration same thing with Yes Duffy. Great performance all through the episode. Definitely the you know MVP of the Daily Challenge itself. And also shout out to Letarian in, in consideration just for his elimination performance. But overall, the MVP of this episode, episode one, Challenge All-Stars, has to be Yasella. Definitely, far and away. It was a no-brainer. Um, again, with respect to those three gentlemen who gave great performances and the whole cast, everyone was doing great. Um, Yasella, definite MVP, episode one, which is awesome. We talked about in the preview pod 
you know, one of the people coming in that didn't have the biggest uh, challenge reputation or the best challenge reputation back in her previous time, expecting her to really be taking it, not just seriously, but, you know, uh, if she was coming back, there had to be a reason. And she did not disappoint first episode. And she's the MVP uh, for a, a handful of reasons. First off, she does great at the daily challenge. She steps up immediately, says, I'll be a captain. We're here to win. We're not even going to entertain the idea of losing. So I'll be a captain. I don't care. Put me in the pressure spot. That was great. Then being performing well at that uh, challenge and exceeding expectations. If you would have told me, you know, fair or unfair, uh, to be completely honest, if you told me after I see the challenge and they say, hey, at least half of the people aren't going to be able to complete it, I would have guessed Yazella would have probably been in the half that wouldn't get it done, but she proved me wrong. She proved some of her teammates wrong, um, and she proved herself a worthy competitor, getting out there, swimming down, getting multiple pieces and bringing them back. So killer job in the challenge itself, killer job stepping up to be captain. She, as we mentioned, had the amazing moment of falling off the stairs, walking out of the truck. It's the last time I'll mention it, I promise. But handling it like a boss, not just giving us the good laugh of having that happen instantly, but then shaking it off like no problem, walking in there, looking like a million bucks, acting like queen of the challenge from the first moment, holding her head high, just bringing an energy and an aura and a confidence. You loved it. She had great quotes throughout. She was given good interviews. She was definitely one of the people kind of starting to get those social and political interactions happening from an early, uh, early onset there. So overall, clear front runner for me, absolute far and away MVP of episode one, Yasella, bringing it, bringing it on the first episode. You love to see it. So that's our MVP. And then final awards here is our just overall grade for the episode. We're going to give each episode a grade. And over time, we are going to keep track of not just on this season, but to help us kind of grade the overall season at the end. But I will eventually be going back and reviewing every episode of every season of the challenge in its entirety. And so it will be kind of fun to look back. And while it's a very subjective, it's my personal grade. We're not, you know, we can look at some things challenge history wise, objectively, this one will be a very subjective, my personal grade, but I'm going to give one to every single episode. And this one gets a full on a plus. Now I don't want to start with an a, I didn't really want to start with an a plus just because I don't want this to seem like it's just always going to be this great grade. Obviously I love the show. Uh, and, and think all of them, even the worst challenge episode is a good challenge episode to me is a good time for me. I love watching it no matter how good or bad each individual one was, but as much as I don't want to give the first ever episode grade an a plus, I just have to, I just can't, I can't get back over what we talked about right at the top of this podcast that uh, it exceeded all expectations. It lived up to everything it possibly could have. It was so much fun. The people seem so they seem invested in the right amount of way. I think so far they've set a good, you know, pace for how difficult it's going to be. There was great quotes. There were great moments. There's an amazing cocktail hour, a really good daily challenge, a really good elimination um, everything about it, top to bottom, was you know flawless, and it deserves an A plus. I just don't know how it could have been any any better. So, episode grade A plus. Um, TJ Lavin's performance it should go with mention. TJ clearly having so much fun. I mean, the guy has 
in my estimation, the best job in the world. I, I will make no secrets about it. If I could pick an absolute dream job, anything in the entire world, it would be not to replace TJ because I I love TJ Lab and I'm so glad he has this job. But if he ever were to hang it up um, and they needed a replacement at that point, man, would that he just has the best job in the world. And so we're going to give TJ a great every episode as well. And he's having so much fun here. He has fun all the time on all the seasons, but it seems like he really is enjoying a little bit more of a laid back atmosphere, seeing all these old friends from a long time ago, getting to kind of mess with them as their older selves. Um, he's definitely having a blast, having a ball. He gets an A plus for the first episode as well. Mostly just thank you for being there. Obviously it's a cool gig to have, but you know, uh, there's no, never a guarantee. It wasn't a guarantee that TJ was going to be a part of it. He hadn't been the part of previous spinoffs before. So glad he's there. A plus for TJ. And now, uh, final thoughts before we exit and get ready for episode two is just, um, you know, we didn't get to see the life shield in use. So we'll see how long it takes to get to use that. Find out that's probably the only thing gameplay wise. I expect us to really find out again. I I said it a couple times before. I don't think we're going to get any big twists or turns, Um, other than, I guess, you know, there's only supposed to be nine episodes and there's 22 people. So unless they're going to, you know, run a final with, with eight people were eliminated, if only one person's eliminated an episode, they get rid of eight, run a 14 person final. I don't think that's going to happen. So I guess at some point we're going to have to either see, uh, multiple elimination rounds or double eliminations or something, or maybe a purge or some sort. So there'll be some way that we get people eliminated faster because we do know it is a shorter season, but as far as, you know, challenge vote elimination round, um, goes the lifesaver is kind of the only unknown variable we really have. Then I think probably the only one that's going to get thrown in there. So we'll see when that gets used, uh, final power rankings for, as we sign off here, um, now that we've seen an episode, see all these people um, have to compete one time and see what they're bringing socially and physically. Um, I am going to continue to do, for now, do a male and female power ranking, although TJ let us know there's only going to be one winner. So at some point during this, I'll kind of transition to a single uh, power rankings of who I think is in the best position to win the whole thing. But I'm going to start keeping it male, female, the first few episodes, because while at the end, the final is going to be some sort of way to get down to one winner. I do think they're going to keep with the the same amount of males and females make the finals. So we'll kind of keep the power rankings as who's going to get to the finals for now. And later on, we'll transition to who we think is going to win. But on the female side, while, you know, it was a, it was a solid performance, um, didn't actually, I don't think ever bring any blocks back, but it was because the numbers were wrong that she was being given. Um, still going to put Kellyanne number one. She was my number one coming into the season. And I just think on the female side, until we see some female eliminations, I see her as one of the biggest physical threats and having that a little bit more recent political game. Uh, it seems like she is as friendly with, you know, the whole group of people as anyone, even if she was on a little bit later of seasons than some of these other folks, I'm still putting her at number one, although it's um, the, the picture on the female side is much less clear to me than the male side. Potentially I'm still going with Anissa number two, uh, mostly again for her experience. And, uh, I don't know with these very, if, you know, if we're getting pole wrestle and, uh, eliminations like that, 
I don't know how this crop of ladies who's beating a Anissa in an elimination. Um, you know, the finals are the finals. We know, you know, where her reputation is with those necessarily, but from an elimination standpoint and getting her out of the game before a final, um, the experience, the ability in the elimination, I still put Anissa number two on the female power rankings. And then I'm still going to have Jemmy number three. So I guess, yeah, these aren't going to change any from what I thought coming in until we see maybe a female elimination. Um, probably we're not going to really change these up. I'm going with Jemmy number three and lived up to what we thought may be her MO of just hammering that political game right out the gate. She is the only one so far in episode one that was clearly talking alliance, um, talking strategy. She said in one of her interviews, you know, she admitted, which I really appreciate the honesty from her, the self-awareness that she was never the physical competitor. She was the political game and that she was going to use that to her advantage coming in here. So we got Kellyanne, Anissa, and Jemmy, my top three on the female side. On the male side, you know, Latarian, great performance there. Um, definitely going to be hard to get that man out in a physical elimination, but uh, not quite enough yet to mess with. My top three coming in is actually going to be my top three and really top four um, still after one week, and that is Mark Long, Alton, and then Derek and Darrell bringing up the rear um, just Mark and Alton, I think, physically are going to have, you know, as far as the final goes, or the ones that are going to, if they are in a final, those two, I think, are competing to win it. And as far as getting to a final, they're going to be tough to eliminate. They're going to be very good in the daily challenges. And I think both of them are going to have great social games. So they're one and two, Derek and Darrell, because of the experience, the recency, the knowledge of the game, and the physical components. They come in at my tied for third. So my power rankings after one week do not change from the preview. That's who I'm looking at as the top players to be reckoned with. But we saw everyone kind of make a splash here. You know, um, Yasella definitely vaulting up from where lower expectations now, MVP of episode one. Um, a lot of people, Nehemiah definitely looking the part of having that youth on his side, um, definitely looking to be playing a little more of a strategic game. Um, you know, a lot of people making their mark early on, but we'll get a few more episodes in, a few more eliminations in and see where things shake out. So that's your power rankings. That's episode one. And that is all we got. What a way to kick off the challenge. All stars. So great being back in our lives. All these OGs love seeing them looking forward to every single episode we get. We've got at least eight more, supposedly eight more of them. And we will be covering each and every one here on the challenge historian every Thursday. Uh, when the episode drops, we will be watching it immediately, getting our thoughts written down and getting it recorded and sent out to you so you have these thoughts and these episodes the day of, the day it drops on Paramount+. Plus. So if you're someone that, you know, maybe like me, I, I did admittedly stay up till midnight the night, uh, you know, it's drops on a Thursday. So it's up there at midnight Eastern, Wednesday night going into Thursday. I did stay up till midnight and watch it at midnight. I'm sure a lot of you did as well. I will probably be doing that from this point forward so I can get those these pods out to you as early in the day on Thursday as possible. So if you're someone that you know watches it the day of, that Thursday night maybe after work, whatever, that pod will be there right when you're done with watching the episode. Follow up, listen to the podcast, get your thoughts in. Again, as always, follow along with all of the podcast content as well as any other daily content and challenge facts, stats, history, everything on our Instagram account, Challenge Historian, at Challenge Historian. You can follow us on Twitter as well, at Challenge Histo. Uh, can't go with the full name. Uh, Twitter doesn't allow that long of a name. So at Challenge Histo on 
uh, Twitter, challengehistorian.com to see all of the YouTube content, the podcast content, everything we've got. There's going to be a, some player bios and things going up on that website in the coming days and weeks. So a lot to cover with this great uh, history of this fantastic show, The Challenge, and we are going to cover and document all of it here at The Challenge Historian. Thank you guys so much for being here for episode one of Challenge All-Stars. I am Jacob Hollibaugh, your Challenge Historian. I will see you back here next week. Until then, have a great life, my friends. (laughs) 